What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another star-studded, not really, but we have lots of stars here, episode of Warp Factor Fiction, our Star Trek chronological rewatch. That's right, everything on screen we're going through. We are on Strange New World Season 1 right now, covering episodes 6 through 10. This is the back half. Now, if you guys that are new to the show, thank you for checking us out and joining in. This is a patron-exclusive show. You get it for the first month on Patreon, and then you can get it afterwards. So go check out our patron. Maybe you get it early, and you can hang out with us, and there's other cool goodies and stuff like that, too. But I am, of course, your captain on this trip, this voyage, Captain McManhattan, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Lieutenant Junior Grade, Tommy. How you doing, buddy? Mr. Manhattan, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Captain. What's the mission today? <laughs> you know, I got to be honest with you, uh, this last five episodes of this first season of Strange New Worlds, all new to me, and I know it was new to you too, blew me away. This might be one of my favorite shows in the Star Trek uh, realm. Really? I love it. What do you think of it? I mean, it's been really good. It's definitely a lot different than Discovery. I feel yeah. like it's more of that Star Trek, but it also lacks some things that I liked about Discovery. Kind of like, I can't explain it well, but it's like with Discovery, it was more kind of like dry wit. And with this one, it's kind of like more of humorous instead of like that witty humor. It's more like humor. I agree. Yeah, it, it has. And it's funny because I think it it's in such a weird way. This is a show on Star Trek that is not on, is not like any of the other Star Treks, but also really is. I think it's the most familiar, right? Like, mm -hmm. at, like out of all really the new shows that have been coming out, even Picard, it took till season three when you're like, wow, this feels really familiar. And it's even mm -hmm. a little too overly familiar at times. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I think it's fantastic. But um, it's a little bit too overly familiar sometimes, I think, because there's such hardcore fan service in that show. Whereas this, you get a lot of more paying of you know, paying homage to things, kind of mm -hmm. touching down on things, but it's so much fun and lighthearted. It feels like a good adventure story, not unlike the original series, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen the original series, but yeah, it yeah. does seem similar to what you've said. I I definitely like the look and feel, and I agree with you because and 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 one thing that I really like that you said was that it feels so much different than Discovery. And at first, I didn't like Discovery because of that, and then going back and rewatching it. I really did. I opened up my eyes to it and I was like, okay, it makes perfect sense though. Discovery is not, Discovery is new Trek and we mm -hmm. have to look at new Trek as new Trek because even when you look at season three of a card, it's more like Discovery than it is, you know, the next generation. It mm -hmm. just has the people we love in it. Mm -hmm. So now having rewatched Discovery and starting to fall in love with those characters and, and their mission and everything going on, it really opened my eyes to it. But it's nice to get back to a really Star Trek, Starfleet, familiar familiar sense, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Yes, it does, actually. And, um, I, and I love the fun of it. it. For the shows, it kind of reminds me a little of Enterprise, almost. Okay. What, uh, how do you Out mean? of the ones I've seen, that's kind of what it reminds me of, because it's more lighthearted, and I think Pike's similar mm. to Archer. I definitely agree with you in the first two seasons of Enterprise. I like it. I, I And in fact, I, I like Pike... I loved Archer. I loved Scott Bakula. I thought he played a great captain. But the thing I love about Pike is Pike is everything that Archer was, but already improved, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like Pike is where Archer grows to be. Where we see him in Enterprise, he still has a lot of like anger and hate and, and stuff like that that's kind of washing away through this adventure. But he, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine that Pike is what 
Jonathan Archer grows to be in, as an admiral, being more open to things, being more diplomatic, being smart, fun. You know, like he, he's, he's always those things, but he's very brash and you, he could act on impulse. Yeah. I, um, I, what do you think, though? I, I want to, before we get into the episodes, I really want to hear character wise, like, how do you feel? Like, because you really only have to compare it to Enterprise, um, you know, and really only Discovery. Because everything else that you've seen has been in bits and pieces, right? Mm -hmm. I think the character that reminds me most of another character I've seen is going to be uh, La'on with Malcolm Reed. I think oh, that yeah. I see that, too. There's a lot of parallels between their characters, except Yor. Yor is so much better uh, of a character. She's, they're fleshing her out in a great way. Uh, compared to, um, what was her name on the show? The communications officer. Awosakun? Uh, Who? Awosakun? No, no. The communications officer. The linguist on, on Enterprise. Oh. um. Why am I drawing a blank? You're going to drive me nuts for not telling me. This is your um, fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm just gonna look it up <laughs> linda park that's right hoshi hoshi oh hoshi. this is a problem we we have a star trek show and and we forgot hoshi i think this is your fault i think that you should be blamed for this don't you no no to the gallows let's do this <laughs> i'm all for it we got to drag him off all right let's get into what, it though think, yeah what's up uh so there's um i didn't know this i i used to think jonathan archer was the main character of the TV show Archer. Was there a TV show Archer? Oh, Archer, the the, 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 the animated show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's kind of funny. I used to do that with Jonathan Archer because that's because you told me about it, but I never really knew anything about him. So well, I just thought you, that was him. Were you still pleasantly surprised by who you got? <laughs> yeah. All right. I thought it's it was going to be animated. Yeah, no. Nah, not this. We'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Episode six, Lift Us where suffering cannot reach. A threat to an idyllic planet reunites Captain Pike with the lost love of his life. To protect her and a scientific holy child from a conspiracy, Pike offers his help and is forced to face unresolved feelings of his past. This was an episode that really, I really enjoyed. Um, we got we got a lot of really cool interactions with characters. Pike, you learn a little bit more about. It was nice to see him be a little more vulnerable in this. Um, I really enjoyed... Uh, uh Mbenga's uh interactions with the father of the child and yeah you know, how, that was really good how it you know like coincided and par the parallels it drew with what's going on with his own daughter um what did you think of this episode i really liked it i liked uh the gamal i think his name was the elder like the first servant's kid or not mm -hmm. kid dad yeah, yeah yeah yeah. i liked him too i think he did really well in this yeah um it I liked it, but the story I think wasn't amazing. I think they mainly had it. I think the I think the best part of it was the Mavenga, the Mavenga, and then like the parallels with that part. I didn't love like the the big like conspiracy part of the story that much though. Well, you see, that's that's funny. I, I actually kind of did because like they always have like one off Monster of the Week type episodes where they get into this, and it's more of a societal thing of how would you act in this situation. And I love Pike's reactions to everything. Very heroic in his own way without being like white knighting it and trying to save the day. Like he's really, it's just a, a care and compassion he's trying to be there for. And so I mm -hmm. like that dynamic that they did here. Uh, now, when it comes to the holy child that's in it and his father not want to, because this this planet does not like to be a part of any anyone else. Like they have the capability to travel they interact but for the most part their culture is their culture we're not going to give you anything we don't want anything from you 
let's just live life the way it is. Mm-hmm. And they they are very advanced technologically speaking and science speaking. So they can go out and they can uh, they could probably heal Mbenga's daughter very easily, mm-hmm. or at the very least, like um, know how to put him on the right track to getting there right Mm -hmm. so while he's pleading they're saying no we're not doing this no we're not doing this and the big conspiracy is that the child the holy child that is being given to a sacrifice the planet basically until they need a new sacrifice just depletes the child like it it it, it, he goes into this machine and that's how he will live his life for the rest of his life um the planet will feed off of him and find nourishment through him and it's just kind of how they live that's the technology, the way they set things up so the planet doesn't destroy itself. Pike very much against this. Um, that's just not the, his way. But I really like how it ended and how it went about. Um, for you, who is a shining character in this? I'm going to have to go with Mbenga. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I think he was too because his desperation when he's trying to talk, when he's trying to figure it out. Uh, the he fact was, that... Yeah, he, was amazing, he was amazingly acted. He, The actor who played him was amazing. He did a fantastic, great job. And and this is so heartfelt. I really enjoyed where they went with it. Um, is there a lesson that you learned from this episode? Things are not always as they seem. You say that in every every episode, I feel like, or every other episode. There's at least one point in every season of the show you've seen where that comes up. I'm starting to realize that's a recurring thing because I don't think you're wrong because this does play out like that. You know, like the 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 safe feeling of it, what's happening. It goes in a completely different direction once you find out what's going to happen to the child. But for like mm-hmm. 40 minutes in the episode, it's not like that. It's like played completely different. And then when it gets to that and you have the realization, you're like, oh, this is messed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's go on to the next episode. Episode 7, The Serene Squall. While on a dangerous humanitarian mission, the crew of the Enterprise stumbles into a harrowing game of leverage with the Quadrant's Deadliest Space Pirates. The Serene Squall is the name of the ship that the Orions, but it is actually a mix of different um, species are playing pirates on the Serene Squall. But what did you think of this episode? I It didn't stand out too much to me. I liked a lot of things about it. Um, Laon's uh, character was really well done. Nerf Chapel was great. The entire cast, main cast, has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love Jess Bush as Christine Chapel. I think her character is great. I think it's, I realize this takes place before the original series, but it actually, I wish her character was in the original series, going toe-to-toe with Kirk on certain things, having those talks with Spock. I, w- I think, like, uh, and don't get me wrong, I, I, it's not that I dislike the original Christine Chapel mm-hmm. uh, it, it, at all. And it, it could even, like, if they could do it in some way or make her character like Jess Bush's, so it like coincides that would have been great like she was a great character and it's not like she was some like pushover slouch or anything but it, it like it just wasn't the same dynamic so to be able to see uh christine chapel kind of in it is mm-hmm. is really cool i i like her character a lot but everybody shines ethan peck is spock who is a great character and leonard nimoy is amazing so zachary quinto i'm loving ethan peck what do you think of all these people so far so do i they're all amazing so far and i think anson mount has been one of the best it's either pike or mbenga that's been the best character for me okay cool i think he i think mbenga is my favorite doctor so far really yeah i have seen a little of bones but i i like mbenga better so far i love bones but here's the thing i love bones in like i wouldn't want bones on next gen ironically wasn't the first episode but i meant like 
I wouldn't want Bones' doctor in any other place. I really think that every doctor, I can't say this about every captain on every show, but every doctor fits perfectly on their own. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to see those doctors anywhere else. Like Robert Picardo as the, uh, um, the EMS doctor. I would never want him on anything other than Voyager. Phlox was perfect for Enterprise and his mm-hmm. his style of medicine and what he's doing for such a new exploration worked. Bones was perfect for the triumvirate of Spock and Kirk and 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 that whole crew. Uh, of course, Crusher. Mm-hmm. We're not even going to talk about Pulaski, but Crusher was great on the show and she added such a, a wonderful character to it uh well i should say that um she was a wonderful character in it the uh, crusher but even bashir and like ds9 and stuff like that like he's perfect for that show i wouldn't want bashir anywhere else Colbert you know what i mean from discovery yeah uh listen great character i think culver is a fantastic character and i, I and i love that he's on it you're right although i actually no no he he would only work on discovery i think uh he was too new aged if that makes sense Mm -hmm. but i could see him like if if discovery didn't go the way it went i could see him on like the newer episodes of picard as a doctor or i could see him uh match up well on like you know some of the just the newer stuff that's coming out if that makes sense but Mm -hmm. i do agree he's he's a great doctor for discovery all right so with that being said, in this episode, we we get a Dr. Aspen, mysterious Dr. Aspen, comes to Starfleet looking for help. Enterprise is going to help her. Uh, she realizes that her people may have been attacked by these space pirates uh, on the ship called the Serene Squall. And so she is trying to work out the chance, uh, played by Jesse James, I can tell if I didn't say that yet, but um, from Big Sky and, and other things as well. She did a really fantastic job because she is essentially a double agent working with the pirates. And this actually, she's mm-hmm. the captain. She runs the ship, the Serene Squall. The one thing I didn't get about this is, well, for one, you only see a couple of Enterprise's crew captured, like a handful but isn't Enterprise's crew complement supposed to be hundreds? And, like, couldn't they have overwhelmed them with sheer numbers? And, like, where are you storing all the rest? Um, listen, and at up. least <laughs> and, and at least one of the main crew members, specifically the head of security, should have been able to pick a lock. All right, listen. <laughs> like, if, if you're the your head log- of security listen, and you... Can- listen, mini Spock, your logic here is not needed on my, my sci-fi show that I love, okay? No, they're all great questions, and you can you can pick that apart, and I love your 11-year-old little mind picking that apart, whereas my 41-year-old mind is like, I am good. <laughs> Whatever. I'm fine. Like, it, it, it works for me. Um, Suspension of disbelief, buddy. If you want to enjoy things, find the suspension of disbelief. But uh, what overall, though, story-wise, what did you think of it? I, I really liked uh, Pike in this. I thought he did a great job. And But Spock was my shining star. Spock. It was either Spock or Chapel. Chapel was great in this, too. Chapel's going to... She's, like, one of my favorite characters. And in the second season, even, even more so. They really amped her up in that one. Mm-hmm. So I, I dug it. But so uh, you said Spock is your shining character? Yeah. What's something you learned or something you found in this that you might want to take away from? I mean, I, I know I just God, said this, but. Don't you dare say it. Don't you dare say it. I'm not letting that happen. What? Like you have the person who's a traitor, like, and it wasn't as it seemed because you thought the Orion was the captain, but it but he wasn't. You were null and void. I'm no longer giving you a life lesson from this. Your catchphrase is going to be, things aren't as they seem. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's like, <laughs> it's like you're a backstreet magician. <laughs> and your, your little sign just says, things aren't always as they seem. <laughs> I learned that on Star Trek. <laughs> I love it. All no, right. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a spy, and then right before, and then right before I reveal myself, and then uh, bust out of the place. I'm gonna say things aren't always as they seem. Bust out of the place. First of all, were you captured? You're not a very good spy if you were captured. No, spies are like, not. They're not supposed to know you're a spy. <laughs> like, no, I'm not... posing. I'm posing as a criminal. So, so you just bust out of jail. So, so let me ask you this: In this scenario, if you don't say things are aren't as they aren't things aren't always as they seem, could you just walk out of there and then go tell the rest of the police, "Hey, they're bad guys. They did this," and then you guys arrest them? Or is this a scenario where you're like back against the wall, you're caught, and like they don't know that you're like a cop, so they say, "Tell us the truth. Who's the rat?" And you're like, "Things aren't always as they seem." And then, like, you're going to, like, LeBron James throw chalk in the air and hopefully we'll hit him in the eyes and you can escape. <laughs> That's what I assume your loony, absurd uh, <laughs> story is going to go here. No. Iron- ironically. Gonna be, <laughs> I'm going to have a yo-yo, right? Because, I mean, that can mean, like, my one toy. And then I'm going to use my yo-yo to knock out the camera and all the guards. And then, but what they didn't know was that I hit the uh, lock pick inside of the middle of the yo-yo so i'll pick the lock and then i'll escape using my powers of yo- using the powers of yo-yos as soon as you said yo-yo my imagination went to this actually taking place during star trek and it's like you're just on a ship in space surrounded by technology literally everywhere and you're like i need my yo-yo I need my yo-yo these klingons will never know what's hit them <laughs> your little smiley face yo-yo <laughs> All right, let's roll on to the next episode, shall we? The yeah. Elysian the Elysian Kingdom, the USS Enterprise, becomes stuck in a nebula that's home to an alien consciousness which traps the crew in a fairy tale. This is an episode where uh, the alien entity, while it's trapped, locks on to Mbenga's daughter. What's her name again? Sorry, I'm drawing a blank. My old memory. Uh, the girl? Well, Rukia is the girl. Rukia, yeah, her, his daughter. Yeah, Rukia. So his daughter, Rakia, who's trapped in the transporter because of her illness, uh, he reads a story to her all the time. So she has this book memorized. She loves the story. So when she gets trapped in the transporter, the, the entity that has them trapped in the nebula decides to make them live out the story. So this whole episode is is it's going to make you cry. I'm going to tell you that right off the bat before we get there. Definitely made me tear up. But. The whole episode's point is for Mbenga to live out this fairy tale. And his beginning through line to his daughter is that um, nothing is as it's... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) uh, His whole through line to his daughter is that in life, you have to make a decision. You can't just not make a decision, you know, because if you're just standing there never willing to make decisions or being afraid to make decisions, they're going to... Your choices are basically none. And what kind of life is that? So for him to go through, and that the irony of that is that he cannot make a decision on what to do with his daughter, or, mm-hmm. you know, because he, he can't cure her. And so she just has to live the way she's living, and it's and it's hard on her. So the ent- entity makes him live this story out, and by the end, he has to make a decision. And this, I, this is probably my favorite episode in the season so far. Okay, this is up to episode eight. Yes, for ones we talked about, yes, this is my favorite so far. But there is a little bit of um. There's still a goof that I saw. What was the goof? So Mbenga had just been ordered to rest, but then they called him down to treat Ortega's with the 
head wound when there was a whole medical staff there and Mbenga had just been called to rest. That would be like the manager of an ER sent to treat a patient with stitches. No. No, I'm going to disagree with you there. Because first of all, it was a head wound. So you never know. And she is the number one alpha helmsman, right? So she's got to be on the bridge. Like she's an important factor. They're the one she goes to. They go to first when... She's the one they go to first when they need a pilot to get them out of certain situations, right? Mm -hmm. So she takes precedence. So like I would say the main doctor should be there to take care of her to make sure she's okay. And get the sign off, right? That and that's not true. like that's not like the ER manager. That is the number one doctor in the place. Now, if it wasn't one of the main bridge crew, then yes, I agree. Unless there's an emergency. I'm talking about like if somebody else who's not flying the ship is gets a head wound, then yeah, maybe let somebody else do it. And yeah, it is a stretch, but I would definitely want Mbenga down there to check me out and sign off before I put her in charge of flying, if that makes sense. Yeah, but he had just been ordered to rest. True. So it wouldn't it wouldn't have mattered like yeah, you do have your chief doctor because it's Ortega's, but he had just been ordered to rest and now he's getting sent. All right. Your suspension of disbelief is a pain in the butt. All right. I'm getting tired of it. (laughs) You have something to say and it's all logical and technical. Knock it off Vulcan. Calm down. Um, that's fair so okay that aside that i'm not gonna let that little tidbit bother me or take this out of being my favorite episode of the season the heart to this episode the loving nature of how he and his daughter come together in the end and why Mm -hmm. and the fact that he has to finally let her go but they give you they give you a happy resolve to it okay you've seen it what are you saying okay for i was like (laughs) <laughs> agreeing. I was like, agreeing. there's so many people listening to this right now and they're probably saying like did he not watch it i was right next to him when he watched it i know he watched it. all right let's move on to or the was next that my evil clone better not be or go get him then put him on the show <laughs> my evil clone timmy oh my god okay timmy um episode nine. Oh no no who's your shining character in that last episode in Banga for me um, and what's something you learned from it and i swear to god if you say it i'm gonna be upset I'm coming after you, and I'm coming after that poster behind you. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to put it over here. Definitely in Benga. Okay. And my, I have two lessons. First one is all good things come to an end. And the second one is things aren't always as they seem. First of all, that's not true. That doesn't work in this scenario, you liar. Secondly, what are you, a folk singer from the 1950s, early 60s? Everything you're saying is like a cliche line. I love talking to an 11-year-old because everything is new to you. It's like, everything is not as it seems. All things must come to an end. Yet we know. You're 41, <laughs> no, 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 you find no, no, that no, out no. very easily. <laughs> that was, the second one was a joke. All but right. my real second one is life isn't always a fairy tale. Because you know it wasn't That one works tale. really well, though. Now I'm not even mad at it because that one works really well. God, you're a Because you know his daughter. It's a beautiful wit of yours. Because, you know, it was a fairy tale, but then it wasn't because he had to choose whether he let his crew live or his daughter, and then it became sad. And his relationship between him and his daughter. I'm not talking to you anymore. You jerk. <laughs> that's how that's what I got from all good things come to an end. I understand. I got that part. First of all, not everything's a fairy tale works way better, or whatever you said there. That's we're going with that one. So let's move on. <laughs> episode nine all those who wander enterprise crew comes face to face with their demons and scary monsters too when their landing party stranded on a barren planet with a ravenous enemy would you think of this episode it was 
It was. It's my favorite of the season. Really? I said so far, but this is my favorite now. Yep. So, so what was it about this episode that really like you know stuck out for you? It was. I don't know. It was kind of like you have the dark mystery type. It's kind of like the thing almost. Hmm. Okay. So, all right. So, like for me, it re- I like this episode a lot. It wasn't one that really kind of stuck out to me, if that makes sense. Uh. So. For you to say it's your favorite, I'm not confused by that, but like, what was it that really kind of drew it out for you? Like, what made it, I don't know. I like, for me, it wasn't those type of shows. The very end, probably. Like, Hammer's Funeral. The Hammer's Funeral. That's right. That was this episode. I don't know why I kept thinking that was episode 10 for some reason. Um, Yeah. All right. Cause that is, well, we got to talk about it. I mean, they know that this is, uh... so basically, with the episode, they get stuck on this planet nothing's really working everybody is sort of in a dire strait uh, at some point and somewhere and it looks like a losing battle and we all know when it comes to mm. star trek when there's a losing battle someone's got to go and it's someone we care about ironically it was a red shirt so <laughs> it was hemmer uh who was of course our our in from andoria um he was the chief engineer he worked closely with uhura and he was working with her during this situation trying to fix the ship and get it started and also get the entity that was taking over the ship and making everybody live in their fears off. So, and Hemmer is the big hero of this episode. So that portion of it sticks out, you know, cause that's two episodes, mm-hmm. like really gut wrenching, like loss. Right. Yeah. And so, and Hemmer was like one of them, one of my favorites. I think he was one of yours too. He was, he so, was kind of, I think he was the closest to dry wit that uh Tignataro brought that's not a Vulcan. True. Uh, yeah, because Tapal was good at the t- dry weight as well. So uh for this watching Hammer um you know go and the way he went and the way he sacrificed himself to save everyone, mm-hmm. it's up there. It's definitely one of the top losses in Star Trek, in my opinion. And the fact that it doesn't get talked about as much as you know, I, I don't know if I'd put it up there on like Spock from Wrath of Khan, but mm-hmm. it's something that definitely stands out. Uh, this oh, look, um, I definitely see it, but is there other elements of this episode that made it your favorite? Yeah. Well, one, I found another goof. Oh, boy. Here we go. What, did somebody eat lunch and they were told not to eat lunch like three days no. before? <laughs> what? So, so Buckley, you know, the blue alien that had the gorn eggs? Mm-hmm. Nurse Chapel didn't know the species, but still diagnosed them with an elevated heart rate. If you don't know the species, how do you know that their heart rate is elevated for that species? Maybe for a human but you can't tell whether that's normal for that species or not. Okay. But at the same time, she is a nurse and she's medically trained in many different species, uh, you know, anatomies and just their bodily functions or whatever else. So she is using what's called educated guess. <laughs> she has this thing, a species she's never seen before, but she knows what the heart rate of most species are probably supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. So when okay. she finally sits there and is taking his heart rate, she could say, this seems elevated. He also did come off agitated. So mm-hmm. I could see where she might say like, okay, I'm feeling his heart. He looks agitated like something's wrong and his heart rate is like going off the wall. So she's just making mm-hmm. an educated guess and it's a good thing she did because it paid off in just a few seconds. Right. I will tell you like there's a lot of things in this episode that kind of you learn about different characters and it was a really well done episode. I'm, I do like that the Gorn are still um, out there. I didn't love everything about this. Hammer's death is something that significantly sticks with me and 
Uhura's uh, reaction to Emmer's death was like gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. It was pretty hard. But yeah, I do. I, I can see why this is your favorite though. So. Who's your shining character? Of course, I'm going to say Hammer. And I said it before yeah. you. So if you say Hammer now, all, that just means that you're copying. I'm going to say the Gorn. The Gorn are your favorite? No, you got to do a bridge crew and it's got to be Hammer. I'm making it Hammer. <laughs> the man died. Okay. Um, so Hammer, of course. So did the Gorn. I'm going to tell you right now, I'll lose my mind in this episode if I ask you what's something you learned from it. What's the takeaway? Do not say it. It's not funny. I'm going to get mad. And I'm going to knock over this remote control that's next to me. Okay. All good things come to an end. Uh, I turned on the TV by accident. <laughs> no, no, I have a better one. All good Andorians come to an end. Oh my god. Just makes me sad for Tran. Um, all right, let's move on. Because you're you're pain in the butt with your answers. I'm not gonna ask you that question anymore. <laughs> All right, let's get to episode 10, A Quality of Mercy. In the season one finale, just as Captain Pike thinks he's figured out how to escape his fate, he's visited by his future self, who shows him the consequences of his actions. A couple of really good things I liked about this episode is, A, you get Pike in the red from the Rathacon suit. Mm-hmm. Now, I call it the Rathacon suit. I do realize that in Star Trek lore, it was around for a very long time, even way after Wrath of Khan. But it is that red suit. The uh, We did not have that motion picture. That's why I say Wrath of Khan. That's the first time we really see it show up. So the Wrath of Khan in uniform, you see him show up in that. And he comes back and he stops himself. Uh, he stops his old Pike because Pike realizes that one of the kids that he gets injured saving in the future. Actually, he doesn't save this one. This is one of the ones that dies, um, is on the ship and is a child. And it screws him up bad that he wants to go and tell the kid to not join Starfleet or not be there so that way he can maybe change the future. So future Pike comes back and he steps in and he goes, I'm going to show you what happened. And he goes and he shows him about the decision. Uh, You know, he takes him a little bit to the future, not not to the exact moment of Pike's end, but uh, what he shows him the future that's created from making that change mm-hmm. okay, the alternate universe so of course we get kirk in this uh and we get a few other people so like we're seeing different things i did love this episode it's probably my number two what did you think of it it was really good i didn't like the guy who was cast as kirk that much though just because like he didn't have the presence that shatner did and he also didn't have the presence i can't remember the, his name but the dude who played it in jj abrams Chris Pine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Pine. Paul Wesley is the one that took over. Um, I don't know if you, I don't think you know this because we didn't, I didn't talk about it with you, but like, I'm sort of for in solidarity with my friends. Don't, we're watching it for our show, but like, I'm against Paul Wesley because he went to high school with three friends of mine and he was their bully. And so, whatever, he may have made amends. He may, not to them. <laughs> They're still not thrilled about him as a human being, but, uh, and not to make it personal or anything, so like when he was announced Captain Kirk, one of my favorite characters, it kind of bummed me out a little bit just because I knew the past, but I did resolve that we are. I'm watching it with you. Um, I don't. He is a good actor. I'll give him this. He's doing a mm-hmm. good job as Kirk. He doesn't have the same. There's something. There's there's a quality that both Chris Pine. I agree with you. They're both Chris Pine that really Shatner started that just worked. And it's it's weird, even when it gets parodied, like people are pretending to be Captain Kirk as a parody in something. Mm-hmm. They still even kind of carry it. But this guy doesn't. And I realize he's supposed to be a younger Kirk, so maybe that's not why. So I'm not saying he won't get there. But mm-hmm. so far, we've only seen two alternate reality Kirks, really. Right. You know, we have seen him 
in the in the main timeline, but it's usually very passed by. The, the main Kirks that Paul Wesley plays have been alternate timelines. So I can chalk it up to that. I'm not putting in that on him as an actor or anything, you know, because mm-hmm. I think he's doing a good job. I just, there is an element of Kirk missing from this, in my opinion. And I don't, mm-hmm. I can't connect to it, if that makes sense. Right. So, um, but, you know, and I like your take on it too, but uh, overall, but the episode, how did you think his interaction with Pike was? I like the interaction with Pike, but something I don't get was warp nine, like really much faster than the usual warp. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to, oh yeah, yeah. Like warp one. Yeah. No, like then the Wait. highest warp that uh, Federation ships could usually go. Warp nine. Yeah. Enterprise, I think was warp, was warp nine before most. Like even Discovery, I don't even think it was warp nine. I think Discovery just had the, uh what was it spore the spore and th- the spore thing so like that was like they, they could get there quicker because they didn't need to use warp but that was so experimental so like if you are only going by warp which we know now they're never going to go to another experimental thing like the spores they're just going to stick in warp yeah warp nine warp nine mm-hmm. fast remember they were like warp three in enterprise yeah and they were um, like pushing it um so isn't the neutral zone like light years around? Wait, who's on warp nine? Who did warp nine in this episode? Uh, because the Farragut Kirk's ship. So, because I yeah, might, that it might said because uh, it said they were pushing warp nine to get to get there. I I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that they didn't. They got to warp nine in the next gen world. Like I think they were at like warp six or seven in the original series. So that might be a goof. All right, I have to go. I'm gonna go back and rewatch the episode too, and just double check that because I'm and, and and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look do my research on what warp they were on because I'm pretty sure they weren't on warp nine by that. So if he did say warp nine, that's weird. You know, for a for well, okay. again, the only thing that might not be weird is it's an alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. So maybe they reached warp nine in that timeline for some reason. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It could be hit or miss. You never really know. But uh, who's your shining character for this? And you can you can count kirk in this if you want oh i don't want to say it's kirk i'm gonna have to say pike but i'm gonna give it to the older pike oh really see i'm giving it to the younger pike but i'm giving it i love the older pike by the way but i'm giving it to the younger pike because he's the one that had to go back and he still made the decision he still did right and i always appreciated that boy scout i always appreciated that boy scout element to him Mm -hmm. i picked the older pike just because of the drip that he got he just has so much better drip than everybody else all right keep using these words that don't exist i realized i aged myself and made myself look really stupid by saying that but whatever all right, he's got drip, I guess. <laughs> so, what's something you learned from this episode? Please give me a real one to finish off the show, and let's get into it. Okay, I'm going to say I have a goof for this episode. Okay. No, no. So what? Goof, what? So the neutral zone is light years around, right? Just it's like light goof. years, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, so they, they travel. Like the years. Enterprise was the Enterprise was staying on its side of the neutral zone, but so were the Romulans. But somehow the Romulans had the Enterprise surrounding. So one surrounded. So one of those things is a lie. Just tell me what you learned from this episode. I mean, you're goose. Okay. You can add I as learned... many goose as you want. I'm serious. That's fun. But a lot of it okay. is just like, come on, man. Like, I want to have my suspension of disbelief. Don't tell me while we're watching, though. Only tell me on the show. Okay. So I'm gonna have my thing being. Even if it's the choice that works best for you, it yeah. not it might not be the right choice. Okay, I like it. That's a good one. All right, we're finishing off strong with that one. I like that a lot. Uh, now, as far as you as far as it goes, because we're talking about the second half, did you like the first half or the second half better, or just the whole? With the last three episodes, I have I have to say it's the second half, just because 
of the final three episodes. All three of those episodes were probably the three best episodes in the season. Good point. I dig it. All right. I want to say thank you so much, Lieutenant Junior Grade, Tommy, Mr. Manhattan, as you want me to call you, because you're an officer now. <laughs> but thank you so much for being on with me and talking about Star Trek. Thank you for all of you watching and listening. We really appreciate you. Thank you for supporting our Patreon if you're on there and you get this early. Uh, if not, you're listening or watching in, you know, in a, any podcast platform or on our YouTube channel. Thank you again so much. Please give us a rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're on and a follow if possible. And please, if you're watching us, go over, hit like on the video. It helps us go a long way. Then check out uh, the, the channel, hit subscribe, hit that bell so you know when more episodes of Warp Factor Fiction and other great shows come out as well. But you guys are all awesome. Thank you for uh, watching the show. Thank you, Tommy, for being a part of it. And we're going to get out of here. (laughs) I appreciate that, buddy. But we're going to get out of here. So until next month, when we cover Strange New Worlds Season 2, we'll see you then. Want to say anything before we leave, pal? Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Can't say it better myself. Take care, everybody.